Amen, amen. You guys can grab a seat and get a copy of God's Word in your hand. Um, welcome to Christ Church, and uh, so glad you're here worshiping with us or joining us online. Um, the question that we always have to get our heads wrapped around is, and be reminded of is kind of, well, what are we chasing as a church? And uh, what we want is to be a church that's uh, driven by our mission, and our mission is that we would glorify God by loving God, loving others, and making disciples of all nations. To love God, love others, make disciples. And um, every time that we uh, come to uh, the time of teaching God's word and, and, and looking and seeing what God has for us, there is something distinct about each message uh, that God wants to do in your life to help you, to lead you, uh, to guide you, to advance the mission that God has in front of us as a church. And he wants to speak clearly from his word. And uh, we, we come to this time um, with our hearts open and looking to receive from God. Today we finish up our series through the book of Habakkuk, and it's been a series that I know has impacted me, our staff, uh, so many of you in some really deep and significant ways. And we only have four verses left, but there is a powerful declaration that we need when we're navigating through dark times. And so I want to ask the Lord to do the work that only He can do, so let's um, just pray together again. God, I, um, I come again to this time wanting to do what I cannot do, but only your Spirit can. I come, God, to communicate a word of wisdom that I did not come up with or have within my own heart, but you gave it from your heart. I'm here again, God, because I'm asking that you would help me to lead a people that are not mine but are yours. That, that in this time that you would be glorified and no one else. And so God, lead us, open our hearts to this message. Let us receive it right and exactly where we are right now for the purpose that you planned before anybody ever entered this room. And so with that, God, I'm asking that you would work for your glory and for your fame. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I tell people often that one of the uh, greatest delights that I have in ministry is watching uh, the distinct giftedness that God gives in and through salvation emerge and be seen and lived out in people's lives. People using gifts of teaching in our church, gifts of service, administration, encouragement, so many different gifts, even specific gifts and skills like we see in worship and in production of our services, a pastoring gifts in community group leaders and lay counselors. It's a priceless moment when, when someone sort of begins to engage with what God's given them and then they begin to experience it and find the joy of that and they, they start to stand confidently in their gift, like God gave me something to serve people with. And what they see in that moment is they see his sufficiency in their gift because it's a spiritual gift. And that's an awesome experience with God. It's a grace and it's seen all over our church through faithful servant leaders every day. It's one thing though to talk about 
a standing confidently in the gift that God's given you, it's another thing that we've been walking through in this series to address the reality of how do we stand confidently in dark times. How? How do we do that? See, that's the question that Habakkuk's been addressing throughout this series. The question is, can you stand confidently in dark times? And the answer is, yes, you can. And we're going to see that again this morning. The past messages that lead to this final message are, are this. During dark times, first, we've learned God welcomes your questioning. Look at it up on the screens right here. Um, God welcomes your questioning. God welcomes your questioning. God is at work in and through exile. We learn to lament and we live with a resolute faith in God and we reorient your life in the history of God's faithfulness. That's the messages that's led up to this final message, big move. Stand confidently in the sufficiency of God. Four verses remaining, check it out in Habakkuk 3, starting in verse 16. I hear and my body trembles, Habakkuk says. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. (laughs) Habakkuk speaks right into the dark times that he knows are coming. And he says that in the sufficiency of God, you can stand. You can stand confidently in dark times. That's what he's encouraging us throughout this book, but particularly as he concludes. And so I want us to consider this morning, from these last few verses, three exhortations, encouragement, to help you and I stand confidently in the sufficiency of God. First one, we can stand confidently when dark times feel overwhelming. Look in verse 16, and, and I want you to see that um, first off, verse 16 is a little, it can be a little clunky to understand and confusing at times because what is happening here and what is clear is Habakkuk is feeling deeply emotional because the Babylonians are coming to conquer Israel and take them into exile. Although it seems, at least in the ESV, it seems as though he's talking about the judgment that's going to come for them. And, and the translation's a little clunky in the ESV. Let me show you. Um, it's a better translation from the Amplified Bible. Look at this up on the screen. And I tremble in my place because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade and attack us. It's clear Habakkuk is waiting for the trial that is going to come against him as the Babylonians come and invade. And this is causing some serious emotion and fear. Can can we just note in verse 16 the authenticity of Habakkuk's response? Like Habakkuk hears from God 
He sees the coming judgment that, that must come before deliverance. He sees the coming judgment. And he does not want to walk through it. Guys, this, is, this emotion that's seen here, it's a visceral response. It's a, his body is trembling, his lips are quivering, he feels the rottenness of sin and of the needed judgment. His legs are trembling. And I love this about God's word. Don't forget this, verse 16. Because what it invites you to is it invites you to come in your weakness. To share it authentically. That's what Habakkuk does again and again throughout this book. He invites you to come authentically and instead of trying to hide it or give some overly optimistic statement as if that's going to help the reality that you're trembling. It's not, he's not encouraging you just to be like, oh, well, um, and just say some like spiritual quote that hangs on your wall in some picture. Instead, he's like, I'm suffering. I'm shaking. He doesn't try to puff his chest up and, and, and try to be like, I'm going to get through this. He's like, I'm suffering. I'm trembling. I'm weak. He's feeling the weight of the dark time that's coming. He's overwhelmed. Dark times can feel overwhelming, can't they? They can feel overwhelming. Sometimes for what is coming and sometimes for what's right in front of you. But notice where Habakkuk goes next. He says, Yet I will quietly wait. <laughs> this, church, this is the direction that we need to go, but so often, don't leave me hanging up here, so often we don't go. Right? Like, so often we do everything but quietly wait. And then sometimes wonder why the suffering seems to increase. Think with me about all the things we do instead of quietly wait. One, we work. I'm going to work it out I am going to plow through whatever is coming in front of me. It's the classic, like, I'm going to white-knuckle it. With my effort and strength, I'm going to get through this. We work. We try to do it in our own power. A second, we search. We search. We're like, I know there's an expert somewhere that's got the answer that's going to get me through my dark time, and I'm going to find them. And I'm going to talk to every expert I can, even if I'm exasperated by the whole experience, I'm not going to stop. I'm searching for an answer. We can complain. It's another option. Just give full vent to anyone and everyone, living or not, that wants to listen to me. I'm just going to complain, and I'm going to feel better for just a short period of time. But it's going to feel great, so I'm just going to keep complaining. That's what we do sometimes. Sometimes we, we deny it. Even, like, even uh, oftentimes what I see people in the church do is, is they're overly optimistic in a way that doesn't even seem honest and authentic. And, and, and they, 
they rush to these verses, but don't ever give themselves freedom to walk through the emotion, and so it doesn't feel right. They deny it. They're hiding it with sort of a, a spiritual veneer, but they're not really exposing the fullness of what they're walking through. We deny it. And then we worry. That's another option. Think about it all the time, all the time. And we all know what worry does is when we get our head and our mind fixated on something, it doesn't tend to get smaller, it just tends to get bigger. Instead, Habakkuk shows us what to do. He declares, yet, in light of, after my fear, in the midst of the emotion, yet, I will quietly wait. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm so experienced at quiet and waiting. There you go. The people who know me are laughing. Um, and this is a work, church. This is a work of God's Spirit over our hearts that so often want to try to find the power in ourselves. We need this example from Habakkuk. We need this reminder so desperately in dark times to quietly wait. And this wasn't just modeled by Habakkuk. It was modeled by Jesus. Like, it's the perfect timing for this, me for this message because we're headed into the week leading up to Good Friday. And if you remember, when Jesus was facing the cross in front of him, he got to this place in the Garden of Gethsemane and he didn't want to face what was in front of him. Do you remember? He entered into the garden and he told his disciples, like, here's what we need to do. We need to quietly wait. We're going to watch and pray. And they're like, boring. They fell asleep. And Jesus is left there, alone, quietly waiting, holding this figurative cup of judgment that he was going to take, that he would take for you and for me on the cross. And he's like, I don't want this. I don't want this. And the emotion of that moment, so excruciating that the scriptures record that literally drops of blood fell from him, from his face. The weight he felt. And then he continues this, this watching and praying and he gets to a point at the end where he says, God, I'm before you and I've laid this in front of you. Your will be done. And then the one who would betray him comes and the rest is history. That's the model. That's the model for how to walk through dark times. Get to a quiet place and in the quiet waiting, express with fullness the fear and the emotion and the weight of what you're walking through before God. And then in the wrestling of that, arrive at a place where you just go, God, your will be done. Your will be done. Wrestle it out in prayer and wait quietly before the God who is sufficient. That's a model for how we stand confidently in the sufficiency of God when dark times feel overwhelming. That's the first exhortation. Number two is this. Stand confidently in the sufficiency of God even when provision is threatened. These next two 
verses are again a picture of authenticity. Habakkuk outlines what is coming in the judgment. And in verse 17, he is pointing to like, he's pointing to like basic provision. Like, like what he's identifying here, the figs and the olives and the field and the flock. These were essential resources in the ancient Middle East. Everything to survive and thrive was found um, in the fruit and the field. Everything. There's not a lot of extra in a desert land. There's some essential things that the land was producing. And when the Babylonians are going to enter the land and conquer the people, destroy the temple, and take them into exile, um, their provision, uh, we can all see, is going to be threatened. There's going to be major material loss. I I have to be honest, I, I think that sometimes when we read passages like this and we see in front of us the loss of material um essentials, that that can be a little difficult for um, the American Christian to understand, for many, many American Christians. Uh, like, like, we freaked out when we couldn't go to our favorite restaurant during the height of the pandemic, even though we could still call DoorDash and get whatever we wanted. We were still upset. I, I don't know that we oftentimes can read the pages of Scripture and understand what was at stake there. But I I know some people who understand right now. If you hear the testimonies um, from uh, Ukrainian Christians who are living in exile in places like Poland and know that the place where they lived and the place where they worked is a pile of rubble. They're feeling it. That their provision has been threatened. And Habakkuk is speaking, hear me, Habakkuk is speaking right into situations. Feel the weight of what the biblical passage is showing you here. He's speaking right into situations that are that grave, that depressing, that difficult, and that dark. And so if you feel like there's something in your life that you can't bring to the pages of Scripture and have the truth of God speak to, you are in error. God welcomes everything that we can bring into this moment. All of the heartache, all of the pain, all of the places where it seems like provision is being threatened. And I appreciate the fact that Habakkuk doesn't hide it or deny it. He highlights it. He sets the expectations. He's like, it's going to be hard. See it. Prepare your heart. Maybe some of us will never experience what some Ukrainian believers or people even are experiencing right now. But there are places in your life, I know it. As we walk alongside you in the midst of our church, I know there are places in your life where provision can be or is being threatened. We see it. As we walk alongside people who are headed towards a divorce, one spouse wanting reconciliation but receiving nothing back from the other. We see it as we walk alongside a person who is feeling the anticipation of the loss of a loved one who's slowly dying. We see it when someone faces the sudden loss of a job. We walk alongside people to affirm that, yes, your sin will find you out and judgment will come, so move to repentance. We 
have walked alongside and see the fear that comes in that. Sometimes even my provision is going to be threatened as a result. See the dark time coming. Habakkuk is calling us to look right into the eyes of any lack now or in the future. Don't deny it or ignore it. Look right at it and prepare your heart. Over that place, over that place of fear and anxiety, declare God's sufficiency. Look at what he does here. Again, presents a situation that is that is overwhelming and dark. And then he says in verse 18, Yet I will rejoice, not in a circumstance, not in a situation, not in his fear of the future. What does it say there, church? He will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, because I always know that when I go to find joy in the salvation, it will always be there in God for me to take. That is the affirmation of the one who knows the God of the Bible. No matter what the loss is, I still have God. And, and there's something that, that even in the midst of loss, that this truth is being strengthened in our life like a muscle is when it's worked out. No matter what the loss is, I still have God. Let it be. Let it be, church. It is available for you in God, in all that Christ has accomplished. It is available to you to take hold of by faith and allow that to be the current reality that is speaking over your life. No loss can change this truth. Nothing that you faced, friend, can take away what God has declared over your life in all that he is and promises to be. Nothing. And sometimes what happens when provision is threatened or when a source of provision is lost, the person who takes hold of God actually finds that, that, the, that, the, that the volume of God's sufficiency becomes louder and stronger as they walk through loss. Because when all things are stripped away is when they realize just how sufficient God is. Because if God is who he says he is, in the songs that we sing of truth about him and the words we read in the scriptures, his presence in your life is never threatened. No matter what happens, no matter what comes, no matter what we face now or tomorrow, his presence in your life is never threatened. And loss tends to secure this truth in your life. I see it. As I love to hear the stories of how God has tested the faith of older believers, older saints, and you can just see there's a, there's a way that their faith has been built up through suffering, and they can look right in the face of what's coming and being like, my God is sufficient. There's a spine that develops in them, a strength that causes them to stand up, not in their own power, but in their confidence in who God is. It's what Paul declares in Philippians 3, 8 when he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss. Everything. Even what he has, he counts it as loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and he counts them as rubbish. 
in order that I may gain Christ. He's like, give me the exchange. I'll exchange the things that I could put my life on. I'm going to exchange them. I'm going to count them as rubbish because you know what I know every time I do that is that I gain Christ. And there's a surpassing worth of that that I treasure. When provision is threatened, decide and declare, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. It is available. It is available. To take hold of it by faith is how, church, we stand confidently in the sufficiency of God even when the provision is threatened. We take hold of all that God is and we find that He alone is sufficient. That's the second point. When the provision is threatened, here's the last one. Stand confidently in the sufficiency of God because God is strong to save. You know, from time to time in our church, we, um, we love to record these kind of God at work videos where you get to see kind of the work of God in someone's life. And it um, normally has in it, like most of our stories do, some aspect of, man, I got to a place where I realized my need for God and then um, I expressed that to God and God met me in that and God was able, God was at work in my life. Man, this, this, that's kind of what we've been going through. It's like a transcript of Habakkuk's God at Work video. Do you remember those who were with us in that first message? It starts off back in chapter 1, Habakkuk going, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? He's just laying out his brokenheartedness to God over what's coming and then... At the end, he's declaring, I will yet rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He's been on a journey like we've been on a journey in this series. And and what we see from chapter 1 to chapter 3 is the process of, of wrestling to get to a place of confident faith. It, it doesn't come, faith doesn't come isolated from the trial and the suffering. Faith sustains us right in it. That's what uh, Habakkuk has taught us again and again. And, and what he's pointing out here in verses 18 that leads to 19 is he's saying like, I've taken hold of the joy of my salvation. And he's pointing there to the blessings of salvation. The blessings of salvation are so many, we could spend an entire series on it. There are ways that God promises to provide in salvation. There's ways that God redeems and rescues. A soul is united to right relationship with God in salvation. There's eternal promises of relationship with God in salvation. And so he's, he's considering these at the end. He's returning to what he knows can't be shaken or taken from him. And he's saying salvation is strong and gives a foundation for joy regardless of what is coming. And as he thinks about God's salvation, he writes in verse 19, God the Lord 
is my strength. He's strong to save. And you can sense Habakkuk literally standing into the sufficiency of God. And then he notes at the end, it says, he makes my feet like the deer's. He made me, makes me tread on my high places. What is he saying here? He's referring to uh, a deer. That's the best translation for what would have been almost like a, a, a deer. It was a hooved animal in the um, ancient Middle East and in the sort of rocky places around the cliffs, uh, the deer could just sort of like, this deer could just like jump from like little rocky outcropping to another one and he could jump around. They were graceful, they were fast, they were sure-footed. They could jump up to these rocky places without stumbling or falling. Like here's a picture. Like in a place where if I was hiking, I for sure would be near death. This hooved animal, this deer, is just like chilling sure-footed, not scared, could bounce down and around the rock. I don't even know how it got up there. It, didn't, it was not belayed in, okay? I promise you that. And what God is saying and what God is teaching when we see this passage at the end of Habakkuk is Habakkuk is declaring that the Lord is your strength to the extent that you can be secure in any and every dangerous circumstance. See, when you're sure-footed in dangerous circumstances, it says it because it concludes, it goes, because my feet are like the deer's, he makes me tread on my high places. The idea there, church, is that when God is your strength and you're taking hold of God's strength by faith, He's helping you get up to a place, to an elevation, to a high place where now you can, from the perspective of eternity, from God's perspective, because he's your strength, now he's informing the way you look at your circumstances. He's orienting them within the work of his redemption and salvation, and he's getting you up to a high place so that you can stand above what you're facing, so that he can give you perspective on what you're walking through. Now when you're standing on high places, sure-footed, with the right perspective, at that point, you can sing over your circumstances. God, you are strong to save. This is your song of praise in dark times. This is your song of praise. Take hold of his promises. See from an eternal perspective. Know that your past, present, and future are secure in him. I mean, look, the section ends with, to the choir master, with stringed instruments. He's like, gather the people. Like, get your voices ready. Get your instrument in tune. Worship your way through dark times from a high place. That's the encouragement here from Habakkuk. The, the worship that we experience in spirit and truth is always an opportunity, whether it's in worship time together as a church when we're singing songs or when you open the Bible day after day after day and sing out or pray out before the Lord. In that moment, we're grabbing hold of God's truth and we're worshiping our way through dark times from a high place. You can be in a valley and you can still be looking above it 
Worship of God gives a heavenly perspective. We could see from the perspective of God. His truth speaking over all other truths. William Cooper, a famous hymn writer, was born in 1731. His dad was a pastor and his mom passed away when he was six years old. For most of his entire life, he was plagued with chronic depression chronic depression. At age 31, he tried to take his life three different times and was admitted to an asylum where he would, by God's grace, come to faith. In God's grace, he found that writing poems or hymns helped him endure with his depression. John Newton a local pastor, and many might know the name because he was the author of Amazing Grace, became friends with Cooper. Together, um, Newton kind of commissioned Cooper, and, and with together as friends, they would have this bond that they had in walking through not only Cooper's depression, but he would commission Cooper on a hymn writing project. Together, but oftentimes Cooper, primarily, they wrote 348 hymns in 10 years. Some say that the writing of of the hymns was literally what sustained Cooper's life. During that time, he wrote this hymn that I want us to read together. The hymn's titled, Sometimes a Light Surprises. Sometimes a light surprises the child of God who sings the light of one who rises with gentle healing wings. When comforts are declining, God grants the soul again a season of clear shining to cheer it after rain. In holy contemplation, with joy we shall pursue the theme of God's salvation and find it ever new. Set free from present sorrow, we cheerfully can say, let the unknown tomorrow bring with it what it may. It can bring with it nothing, but God will bear us through. Who gives the lilies clothing will clothe the people too. Beneath the spreading heavens, no creature but is fed. The one who feeds the ravens will give the children bread. Though vine and fig tree neither their yearly fruit should bear, though all the fields should wither, nor flocks nor herds be there, yet God the same abiding, though praise shall tune my voice. For while in love confiding, I cannot but rejoice. It is clear what part of God's word was informing the writing of this hymn. Stand confidently in the sufficiency of God because God is strong to save. And when you've taken hold of this God and experienced in his salvation, a calling by His grace to draw near to God, you will understand that in His abiding presence, through praise, God will begin to tune your voice to speak over your circumstances. And you will declare over your circumstances through the abiding presence and work of God, God is sufficient. God is sufficient. 
And your voice will be tuned to the place where it will become a song that you're singing. You can sing. You can sing as a religious routine. You can just repeat words that you've known again and again and it will have no impact. But if you take hold of those biblical truths in a song that you sing or in the Bible that you read, the truth and glory of God's sufficiency will give you strength and perspective to find joy in dark times. Worship is where the Father's hand is extended to you in the spirit and truth of the words that we sing. And in that moment, all you have to do by faith is take hold of his hand and God in his glory and in his power and in his strength will be the one that will draw you up to stand confidently in his sufficiency. Though vine and fig tree, neither their yearly fruit should bear, though all the fields should wither, nor flocks nor herds be there, yet God the same abiding, through praise shall tune my voice. For while in love confiding, I cannot but rejoice. Respond in dark times, in worship. The louder the dark times, the louder your worship needs to be. Lose focus on the circumstances because you are lost in the person of God. And this will be your life. This will be the picture of your life. Standing right in the midst of all of the circumstances, but by the grace and the strength of God, he will make your feet like the deer's. And he will make you stand high above the circumstances, by faith with his perspective. And he will show you his provision of him, himself and he will uh, move you to a place where your hands are raised in worship, dependent on him at every place. He makes you tread on high places because he is strong to save. Stand confidently in the sufficiency of God. When dark times feel overwhelming, when provision is threatened, because he is strong to save. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to sing a song that I know uh, to our church is very familiar. And you can sing this song because you like the tune or because you just know the words. But I'm challenging you, in the midst of whatever you're walking through in your life, to do more than just sing a song that you've known, but as you're singing the words, to take hold of them by faith and take with those words the very hand of your God who wants to draw you up out of your dark time to make you tread on high places. And so let's just stand right now. Let's stand, church, and as this song is sung, let us take hold of the truth that's reflected in it and let's sing it out, and let's allow the Lord to show himself as strong to save. Let's sing it out.